Podcast Unlocked, episode number 76. I'm Ryan McCaffrey from IGN Xbox, joined as always by Mitch Dyer, also of IGN Xbox. That's me. Hi. And the one and only Destin Legary. He only does everything. Sorry, Colin Moriarty. We're, from, we're taking we're, it we from beyond. Because <laughs> I think, uh, you know, Destin is very, every bit as deserving of that Destin title. not only does everything, but he is exceptional at everything. That's oh. true. And he does it without... Uh, he just cuts through the red tape, and he's just like, no, I'm doing this. Yeah, he's just like, I got <laughs> it, don't it worry about it, and it's Check. done. <laughs> no problem. There's probably some technical wizardry he's going to perform. I say wizardry, I mean, like, technical surgery he's going to perform on everything I do from here on out. Yeah. He's going to show up and fix it. Yeah. Anyway, hi, I'm on the podcast. Yeah, I haven't can. said anything. <laughs> you guys just been like, Destin. Uh-huh. Like, say something. <laughs> so, uh, Halo 4 is the big thing this week. That hey, came that out, out, finally. That will not leave my Xbox for a while. No, yeah, mine either. That's in yeah. there. It's it's good to finally have it out in the wild. You know, we've been fortunate enough to be uh, have had access to it for a little while, a little bit, including what starting. I mean, it really started ramping up about two months ago when I got to go up to three four three and do a whole bunch of stuff, including you know the big thing you guys remember the the ten multiplayer map tours where, where yeah. we got. Kynan Pearson, the the game's lead multiplayer level designer, to to walk us and talk us through all ten of the core multiplayer maps. And uh, while we were there, I just turned on the microphone, turned off the game, and and asked him a bunch of stuff about about level design and about Halo level design. So I finally thought that this week would be a good time to air that interview now that the game is out and you guys can actually play all the maps. Uh, you know, it's totally on purpose that I'm airing it this week with the game out, and not at all that I've been too lazy and or too busy to edit that interview down. Couldn't possibly be anything like <laughs> so, that. You know, because I'm a total professional. Yeah. I've got all these things planned Brian's out. Brian's got it together. Yeah. I'm know. still trying to get all my Assassin's Creed stuff done, and then I have Black Ops to cut. How is that possible? That game's it's 56 hours of footage. Oh, wow. Yeah. So is yeah. that how long it takes to, to 100% Assassin's Creed 3, 56 well, hours? I didn't get one achievement for the single-player portion, and that's like beat somebody in the Homestead area at three games. It's the hardest difficulty games. Oy vey. And I'm just like, I'm not doing this off. <laughs> yeah, that's acceptable. So after 56 hours, that was your breaking point? <laughs> the board <laughs> games. <laughs> the board games within the within the video game. Well, it's kind of like the game beats you if you uh, don't get everything. Oh. But I'm just like, yeah, I really don't want to play these stupid board games that suck. We got an email from somebody this week who's like, Mitch and Destin shouldn't be so presumptuous about Assassin's Creed 3. They need to give it a chance instead of playing more than 15 minutes the day it's out. It's like, well, nope. <laughs> we yeah, finished that we, game a while ago. We get yeah. games early. I have a 57-hour game save. <laughs> yep. so. I'm only a little more Corrupt. than 15 minutes into it. I've, I'm about, and, I'm a, I'm about an hour in, yeah. and, uh, and it's fine, but it's, yeah, I just want to get to the good stuff, but apparently that good stuff is six hours away. Mm-hmm. Have I, fun. I think this was my, this is going to bring it back. You know, that's what I thought about Assassin's Creed 3, and yeah. it just didn't for me. I'm out. Yeah. I mean, good, good right. game. Like, I just, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. I just don't care about the franchise anymore. Well, the, the, yeah. the, and to, to clarify... Suppressing. To clarify, it's a very good game. It's just we just expected it, and it had been sort of billed as 
uh, a great game, like a mm-hmm. game of the year sure. contending type yes. game, and it is it is definitely not that. I'm it's actually just... working on a feature with Keza, our UK games editor, right now. About yes. uh, we're doing like a dissenting opinions piece, um, and we're getting a bunch of editors to talk about it. And mine is going to be kind of an argument about why I think the game is almost bad. I think it's, oh no, I think it's mediocre. Uh, we're have to, I'm gonna yeah. have to. Have I'm gonna have to build this. a pretty good case. Yeah, <laughs> but it's gonna be nice to be able to get those thoughts on paper because I've mostly been keeping them myself while yelling from my desk while playing it <laughs> but i haven't been able to write about assassins yet well I'll be, I'll be interested to read that i mean if you can make a good case i'd, I'd like to hear it i have a lot to say but it is still got the i mean i guess production value can disguise a lot of things yes right? it, can. it has ludicrously high production values can't re- disguise bad design the first few days that mitch and i had with it we were like good opening you know yeah, yeah really strong intro and then it's just like oh i'm done <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Halo's the big thing. Oh, and um, we all got together and voted for the president of the United States. That I didn't. Also. I could not because I'm not registered. In yeah, California. Destin and I are. Well, are you a citizen? I'm a dual citizen. Dual citizen. Dual. Yeah. So you wield power over two democracies. I voted for Clinton. That that was a while ago. And I voted <laughs> against Bush twice. That was now a while ago. Also. Hey, for effort. <laughs> but, you vote for Harper. No. Uh, <laughs> you, well, I voted for Master Chief. Our Canadian listeners thought that was funny. Nobody else did. <laughs> no one else has any idea what you guys <laughs> no, are who's talking like, about. They're like, who? Harper? Huh? What's, he the, what's he the president of? So anyway, uh, yeah, Halo's out. Election's over. Which means from here on out for the rest Halo, of the... Halo, man. Halo, Halo. Halo every night. and yep. then But then there's this little thing called Black Ops 2 coming out in a Not week's time. Not as excited. Really? Okay, in Halo, you shoot right. little aliens, you shoot aliens with sniper rifles, they uh-huh. have shields, Got it. they have plasma grenades. Into in it. Black Ops, you shoot dudes with guns. Terrorism. Many, many, many similar-looking people with guns. True. I mean, hey, Black Ops- terrorists, <laughs> terrorize <Yeah>. this. <laughs> I mean, Black Ops 2 is at least, I'll give it credit, at least from the outside right now, looking in, looking forward to that game, it looks like it's at least trying to do interesting things, not necessarily uh-huh. with, like, yeah, the enemies, I guess, but like the the setting gives them opportunity to do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. The, the twenty twenty five setting lets them do whatever they want to do with technology, with like drones and mechs, and hey, they clearly have a lot of that stuff going for them early on. Yeah, like that's the stuff they were showing immediately, mm-hmm. and I really hope that they can, you know, push that stuff forward in interesting ways for gameplay. Here's I, how here's how much I'm not interested in Black Ops 2. I could get it on Monday, play through it and cut the walkthrough. Mm-hmm. I'm actually going to take somebody else's footage and edit that just so I don't have to play the game. <laughs> Cuz I did sad. I did the last Modern Warfare and we get such a short period of we get the game like the day before it comes out yeah, and we, I have to murder myself. Yeah. No re- yeah. no pre-release yeah. advanced copies for no. editorial consideration yeah. on that one, but Yeah, I mean, I I uh actually think Black Ops 1 is the best Call of Duty campaign other than Modern Warfare 1. I sort of hold those two way higher than the others. Even now, though, I think Black Ops is arguably the better campaign. because I think t- so. At the time, I mean, it, it's had more to learn. For, it's had more time to learn. Of course. It's, it's more, it's, it has a lot more clarity about <laughs> sure. it. Yeah, and Modern Warfare, like, at the time, was just yeah. mind-explodingly amazing. Well, <laughs> it, in almost literally in the sense of, what? My, the guy I'm playing as is... Dying in a nuclear fallout explosion. God, right now? that was so good. What? The oh. same, the same way I'm burnt out on Assassin's Creed. I'm burnt out on Call of Duty. Mm. I haven't liked a Call of Duty since Call of Duty Two. You're a crazy not Modern person. Warfare Two. You're a crazy yeah, person. The, the, the Xbox 360 launch. Yeah, yeah. Yes, 
Like I, think I you're crazy. thousand gamer scored that. I really like that game. And uh, yeah, and then they did the Modern Warfare thing, and I kind of missed it. Yeah. Missed the window because mm-hmm. I was playing Mass Effect or something. And, yeah. uh, uh, yeah. Modern Warfare Two was almost incomprehensible. It was just a bunch of explosions with no story whatsoever. And Modern yeah. Warfare Three, I thought was just that game. That campaign played like a game that had that was a Franken game cobbled together by uh, four different development studios. After a, a massive uh, layoff, development shakeup yeah, with, yeah. with the with the Infinity Ward scandal, and yeah, I thought that the campaign in Modern Warfare Three was I, I honestly for considering the circumstances, which of course the average guy paying sixty dollars doesn't care. Mm-hmm. He, he wants if he wants, knows at all. Yeah, well, I think he wants and demands a good game, and rightfully so. Sure, but taking into consideration. What happened behind the scenes during the development cycle yeah. of Modern Warfare Three? I actually think it turned out pretty good, but it's not uh, hardly a an amazing campaign. And and so now, I mean, Black Ops Two, you know, Treyarch has earned the A Team moniker. Uh, Infinity Ward doesn't have it anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't have. I don't mean it like it. Don't don't no one's no offense Capital to I. anyone. Yeah, I mean it is in it the title of A Team. That that title is rightfully held now by by Treyarch. Speaking of a massive gutting and laying out to die mm. of their team, um what happened to Respawn? What do you they're, mean? They're well, still they're just they're I mean, plugging they're, away. I mean, it's a, it's, yeah, what are they quiet. doing? It's a next gen first person shooter yeah. of some uh, sort. Okay. Yeah, they they sort of said that early on and uh there were a couple they did a couple of very odd like pointless say, images. I would say yeah. ill-advised, fuzzy images. Like, Look at this oh, blurry teaser. colored thing. We're like, okay, yeah. it's what like, do you no, want just, me to get out of this? Just Vince, Jason, just shh, come back in three years when you have yeah. something to show. And I suspect there's a half decent chance we might hear from them at E3 next year. But it, it might not even be till the following E3. It might not be for even longer. I than think that. it'll be next. You know, yeah. it's it's kind of bad that I had to like remember that they, that exists. Yeah. So they have not done a good job of saying like, well, remember. They don't need to worry about it right now, though. Like well, they don't need when, to be in the spotlight now. When they launch, do you think people are going to be like, "Who's respawn?" Like we don't remember. I, I think Again, they're going to do care. A, yeah. That yeah, they'll they'll do. That's up to the marketing people to be like, from the creators of Call of Duty. Sure. Comes. Yeah. yeah. New game. It's so, a pretty good title. Yeah. New game. You know, it's. It's it's at the menu. You click on that. <laughs> uh huh. They have then... a lot to live up to. Oh, for sure. Yep. Yeah. But if it bombs, they'll never live it down. Well, we'll see. That's a don't the... want to pull a medal of honor if you, you know, know what I'm the saying. The reality is there. It it's almost literally impossible for them to ever reach that level of success again. I mean, mod... Call of Duty in particular, when they took it to Modern Warfare, that's of course when it really took off. I mean, it was just. It was the exact right mix of of game design and technology yeah. and um, where the market was. It just sort of was the perfect storm, mm-hmm. and they hit on you know they essentially caught lightning in the bottle. Let me see how many cliches I can yeah I can throw it's in. It's a roller coaster ride of emotions, I, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but no, and I mean, a mixed bag. But really, yeah, I mean, it, it really was just a a once in a lifetime type of deal. I mean, their next game could be a big hit, but there's almost no way it's going to be a. A Call of Duty sized so sized hit. Call of Duty seems to be the game that everybody on the internet hates but watches anyway. 
or well, plays anyway. Plays and purchases well, it's, and, it's, and enjoys. Or what did they do? They impeached it or whatever. <laughs> it's the it's the no, what a, did, it's the big dog, you know. It's there was a Call of Duty where they got rid of dedicated servers, so everybody was like, Oh, I'm well, not gonna um, buy it. Modern then, Warfare or not Modern Warfare, uh, that was uh, Call of Duty three, I think. One of the Treyarch. Well, so no, a group Modern was Warfare started two. a group was started on remember. Steam. A group was started on Steam. Oh, that's right. This. That might have uh, been for Modern Warfare 3. Modern War- yeah. no. Modern Warfare 2, I think it two. was. It was so. like, we're not going to buy this we're game. We're not going to buy Modern Warfare 2. And then day one, you you look on that group. It's like, what are they playing? They Every buy. single <laughs> member was playing Modern Warfare yeah. 2. So yeah. it's so like, good. you people hate Call of Duty so much. Just shut up because you're playing it. Yeah. You know, how can you have such a love-hate with that game? <laughs> so it goes. The internet's just pretty crazy. It so, is a crazy yeah. place. It's a wacky place. <laughs> All right. Let's take a short Musical interlude and come right back with the news. IGN's Xbox 360 Podcast, the Podcast Unlocked presents the News Unlocked! All right, back on the air. I suppose uh, we just did a whole show off uh, off mic. We talked about a lot of things that would yeah. have been interesting to record. A lot Sorry. Of, <laughs> a lot of non-games things that no one cares about. People so. like that stuff. We're talking about Some real life. Let us know in the comments below. You like Louis C.K.? We love Louis <laughs> You want to <you> <laughs> hear us talk about our night plans? I'm not yeah. going. They are. I'm sad. <laughs> just I'm to catch happy. you up. I'm Mitch's yeah. date. Yep. And yes, I put out. I just wanna <laughs> Good to know. want that you know, on the record. So, this week's News Unlocked. What is happening, Mitchell? Mass Effect, tell me about what's happening uh, there. Casey Hudson tweeted today that, hey, we're making a new Mass Effect game. It's in the early stages. And he was taking uh, feedback on Twitter about what people want. So, oh, no. See, okay, here we go. <laughs> yeah, remember when you did that <laughs> last time? I'm hopping oh. up on the soapbox. This is me standing on the soapbox. What is BioWare? Why do they continually li- Don't feed the solicit trolls. the fan? Here's the thing. And I know I'm going to get a lot of hate comments. Oh yeah, for this. from the people who listen to. Before like, you say anything, Casey Hudson started tweeting again after like 262 days of inactivity. Well, he of almost, you mean after the Mass Effect Three controversy, yeah, because yeah, gave up Twitter, shit went down. He's like, nope. And I'm apparently, out. he has not learned his lesson whatsoever. Clearly, because, yeah. So here's the thing. Here's why I'm going to get hateful comments for this, but I'm, I'm hear me out. Yeah, so, take him down a peg. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we are customers, and we are fans. Of yes. these of of video games that that these talented game developers like Casey Hudson make, we are not game designers. It is up. Casey Hudson is the smart one, who should trust his creativity. Yeah. To do what he thinks is going to be an interesting game, crowdsourcing a game from your from your troll fans who complain and bitch and moan is that's going to end up being. Well, not necessarily, but that's that's just a recipe for a bad game. Correct. Don't listen to us. Well, we are... he's also they're not gonna they're not gonna take that feedback and use it. There's no way well, that the game they're making is not already like in pre production well, yeah, planned out. There's a design document, but they're not gonna be like, oh shit, you want to do that? Great idea. Elcor. I want to play as an Elcor. I want to play as an Elcor spy in the Citadel only. <laughs> Never want to leave the Citadel. I just want it to be a political game where you actually play as an Elcor on the council and you like make really tough decisions. Like people come in and tell you stuff, and then it's just a button mini game. You know what that is? That sounds like an Act Razor game. <laughs> yeah, you do, that's just that's Act Razor. I must I must vote to take away your freedom. Feigned interest. Sadness. I'm concerned about what you're saying. Concerned expression. <laughs> no, so that yeah, no. Bad. Casey Hudson, stop listening. 
to your fans. You yeah. are a game designer, a good one. You showed that to us with Mass Effect One, and then you started listening to your fans. And look where it, and it, look where you ended up. You ended up in a public relations hellscape, from which you could really not escape until you uh, gave them like two gigs of extra downloadable videos. Mm-hmm. That's want, what it took to satisfy them. I want to know what happened with the ending. I want to know if uh, that was really their original artistic vision no! for the game. Or if EA was like, you need to get this shit done. They were like, yo, we are voted the worst company in America. <laughs> sort it out. Yeah. That's what it was. And they, but they, they Do did you this. think? Yes. They There's no this, way uh, those endings were uh, the original vision. If it was, they would have added it. The thing is, though, this isn't just mass. This is a Bioware issue. They did this with Dragon Age. I mean, Dragon Age 1, people liked it, but they were like, the console players were like, derp, derp, yeah. action. And then they, they totally changed Mass Effect, uh, Dragon, Age. Dragon Age 2. And now they're going down that same road. Well, to be fair, the problems in Dragon Age 2 did not have to do with its improved combat. <laughs> no. But I, it's just Casey Hudson... Trust yourself. It, it'll take you to a good place. Yep. We've seen it. Please. I want to see the design doc with their original ending intent. I bet like, it's exactly what you saw well, on January 15th or whenever that game came out. In your L-Core spy game, one of the missions is breaking into Bioware to steal the original design document. <laughs> Thrilling stuff. It, it's like a mini game with L-Core, and you can protect the tower. That'd be really cool, right? And then you could have naval mi- Oh, that's just Assassin's Creed. <laughs> I like the naval, naval missions. space missions. <gasps> um, so <sighs> I, I immediately leapt up onto the soapbox. So now that I'm now that I'm done on the soapbox, don't box, just stand. Just record just the whole show up, up hang there. Hang out up here. Yeah, uh, I, I actually like naval missions in AC3. Me too. But anyway, me too. Yeah. Do do we care? Do we? Do you guys want more Mass Effect? So I do, but I don't want a shooter. I like if you're gonna do a role playing game, I would love for them to do something crazy interesting with that series uh, related to the kind of the elements that make it special. Yeah. Like that game is so, or that series is so driven by politics and espionage. The universe and, is cool. Yeah. And there's they so need, much more to it than shooty, shooty, bang, bang. And I don't want that. They need to abandon the characters that they've, you know, got us connected with. And 100%. Everything. They need every to, single one behind. They need to jump like 20,000 years in the future mm-hmm. or go back before any of those characters. Like to a when they first figure back. out, like first find like the first Citadel. Contact yeah. First contact would be great. Yeah. With the what's their faces. With the Turians. The Turians. Turians. Yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd want to play on the Turian side too. Yeah. Like oh, who are these humans? Yeah. I, I, that I would play. They could bounce back and forth between the human story game. and the Turian story. Yeah. Like there's a lot there they could do. Correct. Mm-hmm. All right, good. Glad Moving we're on. all on the same page on this. Next but, up, <laughs> as long as Casey Hudson, just again, don't listen to me. See, that was a test. That was a test for Casey Hudson. Paradox. We'll, we'll see. So what does happens. he listen to you and not listen to you? <laughs> we're in a paradoxical situation. See, he can't win. The ball is in your court, Hudson. Don't listen to your fans, including me. (laughs) (laughs) Especially me. So do I listen to my fans? I don't know what to do. December 4th, which is the same day I believe Far Cry 3 comes out in the States, um, we will see Skyrim DLC, Dragonborn. Dustin, tell me all about Dragonborn. Well, the Dragonborn DLC for Skyrim lets you ride dragons. I need to buy it. I don't even like Skyrim. I'm all over it. I want to see people ride a dragon. The whole the whole hook though of the story is that you thought you were the only one, so there's other dragonborns. And, oh. Uh, oh my yeah. god! I don't know what that means. Sounds sounds like uh, so one you, of them aren't very nice. You're you're essentially fighting your your evil twin. Yeah. 
sort of. Can you? So I'm wondering. It's like an '80s Saturday morning cartoon plot. It's, it's <laughs> He-Man. It's straight up He-Man. He-Man so, and evil goatee He-Man. So we saw the footage in the trailer, and it didn't really have a whole lot of dragon riding. Nor did we see what the dragon riding entails. We saw some we, like war, warthog thing riding yeah, too. Yeah, are those mountable? I thought you were, no, we were talking about Halo, so. and I was like, what? <laughs> no, no. P- piggies that dudes Pigs. ride. Yeah, okay. piggies with tusks, Mitch. Okay. So is there so the dragon riding? Is there combat, or do you just hop on it and that's your fast know. travel? Because that would be lame. In don't the know. rewind theater, we did on the trailer that I did with uh, Charles Onyet in the trailer uh, of the trailer, rather. I put out the the devil's advocate theory that the dragon riding that you see right towards the end of the trailer is a cutscene. And that no, nope, because there's a cutscene in actually the main story where you do fly away on a dragon. So I don't think they're going to do that again. I think you, but here's what I think: you can hop on a dragon, and it does all the steering. It decides where you're going to land. And it becomes Panzer Dragoon, and you just shoot. And you you <laughs> can uh, like shoot bow and arrows and stuff at enemies. Panzer Dragoon Skyrim into it. Twenty bucks for like, arrow to the knee. Nope. Moving on. Wow, to the you, sky. You, that news thread just got arrowed to the knee. Moving uh, on. <laughs> I hate everything about this room. Smart Glass is out for iOS. It was actually just an update to the My Xbox Live app, which is why we couldn't find it on the App Store. Yeah. Finally, it, I just got an update on my iPad, and there it was. It magically uh-huh. had transmogrified into Smart Glass. Another Kelvin and Hobbes reference. Quite yeah. nice. I haven't, roll. I haven't tinkered with it very much. I toyed with it to just kind of control my Xbox. The actual uh, controlling of your dashboard is a lot smoother than it used to be with those awkward on-screen buttons yeah, and ABXY in weird yep. places. It's a little easier to navigate. The lag is not nearly as bad as it was. No. But how does it function with uh, – well, you were playing with it today, right, using HBO well, Go? Yeah, I just fired up HBO Go, and you have to, like, dra- swipe and drag around. Just, and you guys are really selling me, I just want to say. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I was confused by how to navigate with it. There, was, there were no instructions – I, and no, yeah. it, it just wasn't clear, and I wasn't quite sure. That's like, the biggest why don't problem. I just use is a controller. There's no Guys. clarity with it at all. There's no. So it works a lot like the My Xbox Live app. You can scroll through your friends Hold on list, a second. your games. Can you guys explain something to me? What is Smart Glass? Is it just a. So Smart Glass is your Xbox 360 second screen experience. Okay. You use, so the big it's deal your is, Wii U experience on your iPad. Yeah. So it, or it, uh, Android device. So Smart Glass is available for Android, Windows devices like the Surface, and now iOS. The big deal is it came out on iOS. Yay! Those of us with devices that everybody already owns can use it. So I can use it on my iPhone. So yeah, yes. you can update your app or download Smart Glass from the App Store, and then you can interact with your 360 using your phone or iPad, Including, which is cool. Mitch, wow. tell us, tell us about you. You actually, you you're the only one of us so far that's seen. An actual implementation of this with Dance Central Three. I, yeah, I Explain. saw it with, I used it with a video game. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, it's it's really simple input in Dance Central. It's very clearly um, the first experiment with like, hey, what can we do with this? Sure. That's simple. What can we do to integrate it? I while actually, developers kind of figure out the extent to which they can make it function. But it's basically just like a karaoke set list where two people are dancing, other people in your fantasy house party where you have a room big enough for people to play connect <laughs> and friends yeah hey, yeah, fantasy friends. <laughs> yeah so you can queue up macarena like nine times in a row to troll your friends uh oh. you, you basically just build set lists for them so you can right. say okay which you is can, cool you make a play yeah, that's cool i yeah. like that and it, it functions in a way that your friends can be like oh, no i don't want to play macarena i don't want to play ymca or they say hey this is a good song i want to play this song with this mode they can yeah. change the mode you could be you could be up there playing dancing in front of the screen yeah. and be like hey queue up uh 
the hustle next. Exactly. And yeah. So it just simplifies the process of like scrolling through a set list. Yeah. You just have somebody on an iPad going, "Yep, this followed by this, followed yeah. by this." So we saw this. this at a Just Dance party, Dance like Central, the, whatever. Dance Central party, and uh, it was the same thing. So we would walk yeah. up to a lady. She'd be like, "What song do you want? Oh, we want this song. What mode do you want? You mode." And she'd hit. She put it in, hit enter, and be like, "All right, you're queued up. You're up next." Yep, shoots it straight to the yeah. Xbox. It's instant. So, it's really yeah. simple. Um, it's just not a terribly interesting use of Smart Glass. And I think we're going to start seeing developers really figure out what they can do with it in the coming months. How long before Zombie U gets ported? <laughs> right. We'll see. Um, how about no um, guesstimates? A year. Well, Probably. never, because it's published by Nintendo and has you in the title. Well, it's like co-published by Nintendo, I think. <laughs> Nintendo, you is in the title. Okay. Well, Moving we saw the, the tech demo from E3 uh, showed like being able to accept match requests and stuff in yeah. Halo Four. So, like using it, it as your like home button. Yeah, basically. So that could be interesting. It functions with Halo Four as well, um, but it's it basically just boots Waypoint. Oh yeah. yes. So you can watch your terminal. Yeah, I can eat Doritos on my smart glass tablet and get double XP while owning noobs. Stop it. Poning noobs. <laughs> the issue with smart glass is like you can we're, we're, we're still figuring it out. We've only tinkered with it a little bit. But the issue that I have is that it's just not clear like what can use it. So I tried right. to, as far as I understood it, Xbox Music was also a mobile app, which is apparently not the case. I have no idea how to use Xbox Music on my phone. And I, I'm using my 30-day trial, so maybe that's the problem. <laughs> But I, there's no indication that any game that I am playing or have in my library cooperates with Smart Glass. Well, so I don't, I don't know, like, do I just load up a game and hope? I don't know. It's confusing. Can I do the next story? Please do. Please do. I want to read the really depressing one. Oh, so man. THQ's in huge trouble. Uh, they had one big saving grace. Uh, South Park. It's now been delayed. Along uh, with everything else yeah, that they had in the yeah. Metro and Company of Heroes also got delayed. Mm-hmm. So they're in rough shape. They're, I don't I don't know how they're staying they're, afloat. So their it's stock been, is has plummeted over fifty percent since so okay, I guess we should back up a second. They had a conference call. Yeah. One of their quarterly investor calls. Mm-hmm. And they canceled. So at the end of uh, the conference call, there's always a Q&A for investors that are on the line. They, they inquire say, about, like, hey, when, yeah, what's did you guys nail down a date for this so yeah. we can get an idea of where our money is going? They, they canceled that Q&A portion and said, we don't have enough money to our we've – contr- we've, cons- we've contracted a uh, – Probably less evil Bain Capital. I'm not sure <laughs> what, sort of, what sort of company. No, they no. Seriously, they so they hired a consulting firm to try and help them uh, find some money, find some investors. Yeah. And that company said, uh, "You probably shouldn't take any questions on this because you won't. They, nobody's going to like the answers." And then the next day, the stock tanked fifty percent. It's now barely worth. It's just over a dollar. That's the next how low. day, because they didn't take questions. Yeah, well, because, because it, their earnings it, called. I mean, it was a disaster. Yeah, there's no information about what they're worth, which we found out now. That company is worth eight point eight point five million dollars. Yeah. Million. That's, we could kickstart that. Yeah, and yeah own that's THQ. not a lot. They they Scary. got that much for uh, the Ouya, right? Yeah, yeah actually, Ouya yes. got more than that. I think. Yeah, yeah it got ten million dollars. Ballpark. Yeah. Wow. So um, at least the double find did. No, double, double no, they find got was like three point three. Three point three. That's really but, scary for those guys. I feel bad for anybody. No, absolutely. Oh, yeah. This is like a really legitimately bad situation. So here's the thing. Is, when I did a new show, I would never do stories about companies in trouble just because it's depressing. There's nothing. 
fun about that. No, there's yeah. not, but it's it's yeah. relevant to our listeners. Oh, absolutely. Because, yes, it you know, is. This company has a lot of talent within it and a lot of great IPs and brands. Saints, Saints Row, Row Darksiders. Darksiders is a good um, brand. Warhammer 40K. Uh, Warhammer, Whether Space Marine or Dawn of War or Dark Millennium. Sure. And uh, they have had they have the South Park RPG in the queue with Obsidian. Right, I, I got to ask this. Hi. Is this the next Midway? I, can't, I, I mean, well, that's a very real possibility. Thing, I am not a financial guy, but they are, they're actually on the verge of being delisted from the NASDAQ. And if that happens, you're pretty much screwed because your, your stock is worthless. It can't be traded. And then your company has no value. Mm-hmm. Um, they, and they've already dodged this bullet once before when their stock was on the verge of being so worthless that they were going to get delisted. They did a, uh, I don't understand this stuff too well. They did a reverse stock split which sort of artificially... Is that like doubling down in blackjack? Yeah, pretty much, I think. I mean, in in general terms that me, an idiot, can That's where my layman brain goes. Yeah, that's essentially what it was. So now they can't do that again. I mean, they've played that card, to stick with your analogy. Um, And yeah, so they're they're in real bad shape. And I don't don't know if, if it's even possible for them to recover from this. I mean, I don't know. I mean... If, I mean, I guess what they would need is uh, for their next games to come out, which, as you said, Destin, they've delayed South Park by a couple months. They've delayed Metro. Um, so South Park and Metro and what was the other Company one? Company of Heroes, of Heroes Those were all due out in the first quarter. Um, and those, I'm, I, the way I interpret it is that they've been delayed because they, the, as a strategy, meaning first quarter is so packed. Yeah. You've got Gears of War, God of War, Tomb Raider. Dead Space Crisis, uh, Dead Bioshock. Dead Space Crisis, Bioshock, all these games. Um, They're going to own the December to well, January <laughs> market. Well, they, That's Far Cry's tactic. Yeah. <laughs> I think they just looked at it and went, well, we could put these games out and you know stop end development and stop having to pay for them and have them start making us money. But we run the risk of getting buried in this crazy first quarter. That's even busier than the Christmas uh, holiday season we're Mm -hmm. going through right now. So I think they've decided, all right, let's, we're going to, we're going to spend the extra couple months of payroll and costs and put these out, you know, once things quiet down a little bit and hopefully recoup, uh, you know, reap a bigger reward. Of course, at that point, they risk running into Rockstar and yeah. Grand Theft Auto yeah. Five. Yeah. Speaking of, let's not end on THQ. Let's talk about Grand Theft Auto Five. Let's no, do we're it briefly. Talk about it next week. Next week, because ah, we are going to have we have next a week. lot of coverage. Uh, so all right. stay next tuned week. to IGN all next week, Monday through Friday. We've got Grand Theft Auto Five stuff coming every day. Trailer, hand, uh, not, um, eyes on preview, interviews. We've Rewind got, theater on the trailer. Yeah, we're going to be got, taking questions for like. Four hours. A lot of stuff. We'll be impersonating the characters from the game on Podcast Unlock next week. Is this true? I'll... No, I'm just okay. making shit up. I well, love that no, idea. Let's. You've committed so, to it, Destin. That's what we're doing. Uh, so yeah. So GTA Five on next week, and we'll discuss it on next week's show. And in the meantime, Mitchell. Hi. What can we spend our money on this week? Halo Four is out this week. Oh my god. Ermagerd. So Ryan's note here is: Does anything else even matter? Uh, uh, it, looking at the rest of this list, no. So let's talk about <laughs> Halo 4 for a minute. 
Hey, that game's out. Sixty dollars. Halo yeah. Four. You can't really get the limited edition. No, Don't worry about I that. I did. So uh, you drove Destin. two hours to get it. You crazy Here's person. Not worth it. This is really funny. So I forgot I pre-ordered the limited edition, and I was I moved to the city, right? Oh So no. I was moving all my pre-orders. No. Oh no. Oh, you have a limited edition here. Uh, we actually can't move that, or you'll lose oh, it. It's no. like, oh, I'll be there to get it. <laughs> so <laughs> don't even challenge so me. So you you do you realize that you spent in gas money? <laughs> You, you've essentially uh, public transportation. Don't forget. Okay, but yeah, yeah I, I, you've probably time is money, son. Any any value that was saved by buying that is gone. You just have a bunch of papers and Spartan books now, which I'm going to create a video feature with. I know you are, and so, it's going to be yeah. rad. <laughs> so so the, I'm good. The rest of the yeah. games on this list. So I, I've heard of Mass Effect Trilogy because that's three Mass Effect games, one box. I assume sixty dollars. Forty. Forty. What? Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3. I better double Destin's check that. going to research. Yeah, uh, I thought... Uh, see, I, I, I always yeah. note the prices here if they're not 60. It's possible that I missed that one. Yeah. But well, anyway... So, I mean, that's three incredible games for whatever that yeah, price is If you it's haven't worth played it. Mass Effect, if you've never hopped into the series, this is a perfect excuse yeah. to do so. Does it come with all the DLC, some of the DLC? There was some conflict about that know. when they announced it. It, it comes with it, some, certainly. No, it comes with pieces of the DLC. We actually have a wiki where I broke down exactly what every version of the game comes with. The 360 people get boned. They get it the worst. <laughs> well, well, we did they get, get the like first nothing. game. They get like nothing. <laughs> Five years yeah. ago. We, actually, yeah. that's worth noting, too. If, you, I mean, if you're listening to this, you probably own an Xbox, but if you own a PlayStation and not an Xbox, like... This is the first and only opportunity you're going to have to play uh, the original Mass Effect on the PlayStation. Best one. Mass the Effect best trilogy one. is fifty nine ninety nine. Okay, six bucks. Right. Still totally worth it. Yeah, yes. every cent. Because that's it's literally it's it's a hundred hours mm. plus, oh, hundred plus hours yeah, in right. that box, and you could make it double that. You could PS3 version December fourth. I'm actually really excited to play Mass Effect one on the PC or PS3 because I want to see how it holds up in comparison to the 360 that I've played through nine hundred times. Yeah, the question the, you know. for playstation owners is you know will the will the port be good will we, mass effect one because when mass effect we are one, reviewing that by the way oh yeah, so, when, yeah when mass effect one came out for xbox 360 it was a phenomenal game but um the frame rate was rough and the loading times were horrible so oh, yeah. i wonder if either of those things have been addressed and cleaned uh, up for uh texture issues for the, texture yeah, for the, for the ps3 version yeah hopefully well, anything else to buy mitch <laughs> I don't know. You decide if you want to get NASCAR the game inside line. I've never heard of this game until this moment. I'm Dale Earnhardt Jr. and I support this. Of course you do. Huh, Nickelodeon Dance 2. I saw this oh, on finally our... finally, the sequel. Our managing editor, Steve Butts, had this on his desk, and it, like... <laughs> and you just It laughed. caught me so off guard that I, like, stumbled when I saw it. It's like Dora the Explorer, the dancing game. <laughs> I, it's a 2K game. Like, I didn't know 2K did dance games. Never huh. mind made sequels to them, but here we are. Midway Arcade Origins for thirty dollars. That's thirty classic. Thirty arcade games. games. Thirty That's straight awesome. arcade ports. Yeah, I, I played a little bit of this. One of them is seven twenty. We'll have a review of that up on Monday on the, IGN. Wait, wasn't seven twenty the one where you need like the skateboard peripheral? No, no. Uh, it's a crazy controller though. Remember, these were all arcade cabinets. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, no skateboard peripherals. So XBLA, I mean Toe Jam and Earl Ryan finally out. Yeah, ten bucks, two games. Ah! I guess that's a thing. Uh, that's part of the Sega Vintage Collection. That's one of many coming, I assume. Yeah, dude, Toe Jam and Earl, hell yeah! You, you went off about. We that had a, a whole discussion bit. about this. Yeah, and we got a lot are. of support. We got Did a lot. We? Of, we got a mad respect from our listeners right, for nice. like Toe Jam and Earl. Woo! Ryan, you're reviewing uh, this game, Karateka, Karateka, Karateka. 
See, yeah, it's. I right. think it has to be Karateka because the game is no. about friggin' karate. Karateka. So straight from. So this game, quick background. This game is uh, a remake of Jordan Meshner's first ever game. Jordan Meshner is the guy who created Prince of Persia, and in fact, still works on Prince of Persia. He even worked on the film, the Jerry Bruckheimer, yeah. uh, Jake Gyllenhaal film. So Meshner is. Uh, he's remade this game for. Xbox Live Arcade, PSN, PC, and iOS for pretty much any platform. And, yeah, so it's the same core game, but obviously, of course, completely new art. And it's it's very – it's an interesting game in that it's it's like 30 to 40 minutes long. You start at point A, and you fight your way up in these one-on-one battles up to the, the palace to rescue your true love, this um, girl named – Oreos? No, not Oreos. Oreos. Oh. <laughs> that, that would. I've met. I met a dog named Oreo once. But That's like I a just, lady. I just. I'm thinking about Oreos now. No, anyway, I, I can't remember her name, but. Um, so and but the idea is you have to you try to do it as as perfectly as possible right. and as quickly as possible. So so that is the that is the the draw of it. And yeah, I, I played through it one and a half times this afternoon, and I want I, I need to play several more times to try and do better and get the achievements and get a better feel for it but it is definitely uh, a, a different experience so give the give the trial version a shot and i'm gonna have my review up soon as i can hopefully not by the time you hear this but no. soon both those games are 10 bucks uh the demos this week are both kind of family-friendly affairs with disney epic mickey 2 and f1 race stars i've played neither i've played neither good talk i'm interested in that karateka game Oh, I, Just, that's right. I was going to tell you the pronunciation. How right. So right. straight from Meshner, it's Karateka. Karateka. All right. Should have went with Karateka. I know. It, it's Karateka, not, Karateka, Karateka is the most is like, I thought it was. Yeah, that's that's the easiest on the ears. Can we just call it Karateka? Yeah. We could. We're going to. Not around Jordan Meshner. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Video it's games. my game. Call it how I say Let's talk no. to you. All right. So, yeah, let's, uh, we will come right back here. We've got about a 27-minute chat with Kynan Pearson, the lead multiplayer map designer on halo 4 he's he's a guy he's a, a veteran guy he's got a lot of interesting things to say about about designing halo 4 multiplayer maps so hope you enjoy that interview and we'll come back after that with uh see the unlock block with un, with yeah with maybe a trivia question maybe or will we this is the feature segment on the podcast Unlocked. We have taken the podcast on the road this week. I have a producer, Sean Finnegan, sitting over there. It's, it's all professional, and we are at 343 Industries up here in Kirkland, Washington, a lovely suburb of Seattle on uh, what's turned out to be an awesome day. It's weird. It's, it's awesome every time I come up here. I don't know how that works, the, the whole reputation for rain thing. But we're at 343. We're doing some Halo 4 stuff. And I'm sitting here with Kynan Pearson, the lead multiplayer level designer on uh, Halo 4. Welcome. Thanks for having me. So uh, we're here. If, you, if you've been paying attention to our Halo 4 coverage on IGN, we've just finished filming... Uh, developer commentaries with you. you. You gave us a guided behind-the-scenes uh, tour of, of all 10 Halo 4 multiplayer maps, and uh, I've already learned a lot, and I already feel like I've got a little bit of an edge over everybody else for like the first 24 hours or so before everybody catches up to me, but kind of, you know, I've never met you before. Um, you're, a, you're a name that's 
Well, I mean, everybody's names at 343, almost everybody's name at 343 is, is pretty new to the Halo community because 343 is, of course, uh, new to, to handling the franchise. So curious, you know, how did you, how did you come to 343? What is, what is your background in the games industry? Uh, so I originally got started at Iguana in Austin, and I was at Iguana for about four years. Like Iguana, the guys that uh, did my Genesis and Super NES versions of, of NBA Jam Iguana? Yeah, absolutely. Worked on the Turok series, um, a bunch of different games, NFL Quarterback Club, um, and Vex. And uh, after uh, I left Iguana, I went to work for Retro Studios for about seven and a half years, and I worked on the Metroid Prime games and on Donkey Kong Country Returns. Those are, those are two AAA, I mean, those are two of the finest games on the, on the Nintendo console at that time. I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's rather impressive. Were you doing level design on those games? Yeah, I, I did level design on uh, all of them, in fact. I did a bunch of level planning, level design on, on uh, the Metroid Prime games, and then I was co-lead and lead level designer on uh, Donkey Kong Country Returns. Um, after those games closed out, uh, there was an opportunity at 343. Uh, basically, I got recruited. Um, when I saw some of the talent that was working at 343, uh, specifically just a lot of the people that had come over from other studios that I'd always wanted to work with, I thought it was a great opportunity to, to come over. And um, while I had the opportunity to work on sci-fi with the Metroid Prime series, yeah. um, I've always loved Halo. And I was a huge fan of like Halo uh, from the beginning. And I wanted to have the experience of working on a new Halo title with these amazing people that I, that I knew were here. Uh, so I took advantage of that and, and came down. So while you're working on Metroid Prime or maybe even some of the Iguana stuff, were you, were you just uh, after hours, were you guys off playing Halo 1 system link multiplayer? <laughs> yeah. Uh, when Halo 1 came out, it basically shut down uh, Acclaim Studios Austin. <laughs> <laughs> we had all of the, the Xboxes over the network because you know the, the whole place was, was rigged up to have uh, high-speed connections. So yeah. we were just all LAN all, like, for four hours a day, basically playing Halo multiplayer, playing it um, just together. It was, it was an awesome experience, and, and it was one of those things that you know, uh, is <laughs> a large part of the reason why I'm here is Halo was amazing and just having all of that experience and just enjoying the Halo multiplayer uh, and knowing that Halo is, is one of the first person shooter series where it's just like, it's kind of the Bible for first person shooters for me in terms of the enjoyment that I've gotten from it and what I look at in the design of those games. So, you know, you, I'm, I'm a person that has been playing Halo multiplayer since Halo 1 and I'm, but I'm coming at it from a fan, wow, this is just fun, the vehicles in a first-person shooter, this works amazing. What, as, as a guy who's already a game developer, playing it while you're working at another game development studio, what, what is it you saw in Halo that, that, draw, that drew you to it from a, from a design perspective? Um, this is definitely a conversation that can go on for a long time. I, got all, I have all day. <laughs> I literally have all day. All right, well, um, Halo just in almost every aspect of its of its existence like just the level design of Halo is is really good because it you know facilitates on foot uh, gameplay as well as the vehicles so there was a variety there that hadn't right. existed prior in, in a lot of regards uh, just being able to get into a warthog and drive over hills and it's got the low gravity so when you're airborne it feels like the slow motion sequence out of out of a movie <laughs> um, that was always just 
really appealing. And even just seeing the trailers for Halo 1 before Halo had come out, um, it already just had this appealing universe. Music is incredible, and, it, and sound plays a huge factor in any game. So just the sound of Halo 1 uh, was incredible in any number of, of ways. Uh, but in general, the fact that they kind of distilled it down and made a first-person shooter on console that worked and was new because of the choices that they made in terms of how many weapons you could carry. Yeah. Um, just the, the trinity of things you could do between melee, throwing grenades, and having guns available at all times so that you could just switch between those gave the game a dynamic that was closer to a fighting game than it was mm. first-person shooters at the time just because the choices you could make were instantaneous, but the game was slow enough that you had to strategize uh, the choices that you were making. And you, had, you could recognize when enemies or players were moving uh, and what they were doing because there was a consistent movement speed across everything. And the lower gravity also meant that you could do things like jump and shoot at the same time or just uh, track a target, like if you were playing multiplayer and somebody leaped, you knew exactly where they were going, what they yep. were doing. But the other thing, and this is kind of where the magic comes in, was the aim assist. Just yes. having the sticky aim and the aim assist. But not too much, right? Yeah, well, it was pretty strong in Halo 1, and it kind of had to be for the time. Mm -hmm. uh, because if you played any of the other first-person shooters that were on console, outside of GoldenEye, GoldenEye even had a little bit of it, but you'd get the overcompensate, undercompensate. When you were leading a target and you'd constantly swing past them and you'd swing back, trying to get back on them, but you'd swing past them again. And because Halo had this, this stickiness on the reticle, it meant that you did what you felt you were doing. Yeah. Like, you weren't failing because, you know, you were constantly overcompensating, undercompensating, trying to lead somebody and just missing. You were actually sticking on to them, but you didn't feel like you were being helped. Right. It was just helping you, and it was seamless to the experience. It was guiding you in such a way where you felt really empowered, like you were doing these amazing things, and you were, but um, it was just guiding you ever so slightly. Now you mentioned, uh, you know, that you, you've mentioned a lot of sort of game design things, but as a level designer who spent <laughs> half your working day at Iguana <laughs> playing, playing Halo multiplayer, uh, everybody has their favorite Halo maps. At, how about for Halo 1, in that time, when you're first getting sucked into the game, what, which of those multiplayer maps from Halo 1 were, did you guys play a lot? Which ones, which ones jumped out at you, a level designer? Um, for the most part, it, it's like, there's so many different things about uh, the various levels, and I think that they had a really good variety of levels, um, so it's really difficult to choose any one, but just kind of going, uh, just discussing three of them. Hang em High oh, was yeah. great because it was a level that you couldn't comprehend would actually work. Like, it looked like it was a test level in terms of just a bunch of different mishmashed components uh, that made every single area that you were at and having encounters dynamic because it constantly changed the way that you played. And it meant that you could play different styles by using different areas of the map. Um, and getting to know the nuances of the system and the fact that you had you know, the Halo pistol, which was dominant mm -hmm. for long range, and, and, and it was a great weapon. But, like, that level, that level is... Um, it's crazy that it works. And so it was one of those things where you couldn't, you can't piece, you couldn't reconstruct it. You couldn't do it intentionally uh, just because it's almost, I mean, it, it's just, it's unbelievable in a lot of regards. Uh, Beaver Creek, though, 
Beaver Creek is great for a competitive map. It's small scale. I love you know 4v4. Yep. Um, and even doing things uh, smaller scale than that, 1v1, 2v2. Um, but that was that was a map that just kind of it worked in so many levels, and it and it had um, you know you had verticality to it, but because the movement speed of all the characters was slow, and because uh, of the understandable nature of the entire sandbox, um, it just worked really well. And the third one is uh, Blood Colch. It had to be. <laughs> there is no other proper answer. So uh, Blood Gulch is a really interesting map because uh, a lot of times people can complain now about having super long lines of sight where you can have sniper dominance and, and some things like that. But before people knew exactly what Halo was and how everything worked, yeah. it is an incredible testbed map for just enjoying vehicles. Because you can get in a Warthog and just drive across the hills, and it's just, it's, it's great because it showed off everything that Halo did well. You didn't have to worry about you know, hitting uh, obstacles or anything or driving around stuff. Right. Uh, but it also gave you ample opportunity for having cover uh, from the bases just by running between the, the hill structures and all that. Um, and the other thing though, outside of just level design, something that is amazing about Halo is the clarity of the experience. And it's, you always know uh, who you're shooting at, where they're at, they stand out in the environment. So it's, it's um, great because at its most basic level, it's just the pure experience of of this competitive match between people, but there's nothing getting in the way of understanding where and what someone's doing. Mm -hmm. It's just absolutely clear. You had vibrant colors, you know, the separation between just like the grass um, and seeing somebody uh, sitting out there. It's like they, they stood out like a sore thumb, and that's. So, do you have a preference then of, uh, you know, as you go into Halo 4 and you're designing levels of Halo 4, of do you prefer on foot versus vehicle? What, what's your personal uh, preference? Um, it changes day to day. It yeah. depends on what I'm in the mood for. And that's one of the things that I really like about Halo is it provides the opportunity to have both of those experiences. Um, I, I always love small scale, symmetrical, competitive maps. I love things that, um, that allow you to have uh, a very even and understandable uh, competition. Um, and so, in that regard, uh, I sometimes skew more towards on foot, uh, just in my personal play. But I really do love the fact that Halo has the entire vehicle sandbox available. And, and driving around in a Warthog, Warthog is easily the best like, first-person shooter vehicle that I can think of I in existence. I would agree. Like, um, and it's, it's, a, it's a great vehicle in that it promotes teamwork. And, um, it feels drifty. It's like the funnest Jeep to drive around that you could possibly imagine. And, you know, just having to work as a team. You've got a gunner, but driving you can still splatter. You have lots of hang time when you go over hills. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I like vehicle maps in that it's a massive differentiator for, for Halo specifically, but also just for the variety of experience you have. Like, it's great to run around on a map and be able to be effective on foot, but be able to take a vehicle from somebody or yeah. uh, engage a vehicle that's approaching you. And that's part of that Halo sandbox magic where, you know, if a warthog's coming at me and I throw a grenade, I have a, a general idea of what's going to happen, but the specific details of how it unfolds <laughs> is based on any number of factors between, yep. like, just the way that the physics are going to cause the vehicle to bounce depending on the exact location that the explosion goes off. And so sometimes I'm playing and, 
you know, I'll throw a grenade and it'll hit and the warthog will go flipping through the air upside down. And while it's flipping through the air upside down, I'm, you know, hitting somebody with the pistol while they're driving and I take out the driver. Or maybe it like ricochets into the air and, it, and it's flipping erratically and it bounces off of a tree and comes back and splatters me. <laughs> I don't know the exact result, but it still makes sense when it happens. Yes. And so um, that's definitely something that I, I look forward to in Halo matches and, and that I try and provide opportunities for when designing vehicle-based maps is making sure that, you know, the sandbox moments that create those little individual stories that people tell to each other that are these amazing minor Halo moments, um, that those can happen and that the map support those. So as you're, you know, you, you obviously, you've been a game developer for a long time, but uh, before 343, you've, you've been a Halo fan more than, you know, you haven't been a Halo developer until now. So um, what, are, what are some of the other, in the, in the preceding Halo games up till, till you enter the picture with 4, what are some of the, your other favorite Halo multiplayer maps from, you know, 2, 3, and uh, Reach? Yeah, so um, I think in general, one of my favorite maps of all time is Lockout. Um, and that kind of goes in support of the, the small scale yes. uh, team combat, which is, is great. But just the, that was one of those things where the, the routes and the weapon spawns and everything worked so well together with just the entire player package. Jump heights were all measured, and you could do some amazing things. Um, and it was just really competitive, really fun, and really clear. And it was also forerunner in structure, so it, it had this, this theme that just felt really epic and good. Um, Zanzibar, always a favorite. Definitely love that uh, giant moving element in the map. I think that that's something that, that has stuck with me uh, in my career and something that, that stands out in my memory as just being a great moment. Um, Valhalla is definitely one from Halo 3 that I think is, is an awesome Maybe uh, a little underrated, map. too. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I actually feel like it's a very popular map, and, it, and it's one of the things that's it's very traditional and classic in, in regards to uh, it's an evolution of the concepts in um, Blood Gulch and Hemorrhage. Yeah. It's almost like where those, those maps needed to go with the sandbox. Um, and yeah, it gives you great vehicle routes, long lines of sight, but also plenty of cover. Um, other Halo maps, I, I actually really like Guardian, and Guardian is kind of a, a conceptually similar to Lockout, though dramatically different in its execution. Right. Um, but yeah, Guardian's a, a great map from, from Halo 3. Um, yeah, I think in general there's been, there's, there's a ton of maps and there's a ton of things that you can learn from each of them, but even if you're looking at maps that seem like they might potentially be flawed because they're one-sided, so let's just take something like Sword Base from Reach. Sure. where you have the green lift uh, and you have that room up at the top uh, where the map almost dissolves down into controlling that floor and that area. But it's because of that flaw in the map, which isn't really a flaw because it defines the character of the map and it gives you something that you want to achieve and something to fight over and something where you know everyone is rallying towards that point. Um, so I can't say that like it's very difficult to, to um, call out specific maps just because all of them provide something. And there's something very memorable about um, a lot of the maps in, in Halo, even some of the more underrated and underplayed maps, uh, just because it's the variety of the maps overall right. um, that, that make the game shine and show off all of the elements in them. 
So when you're when you're hired at 343 to work on Halo 4, and you start, you get in there, you get into the tools. Is there anything that uh, now that now that you're on the inside looking out as opposed to the outside looking in that surprises you about about Halo when when you have the tools in your hand and you start you start trying to actually create Halo 4 multiplayer maps instead of just play them as a fan? Yeah, I mean, um, making games is always, a, I don't want to say a difficult process, but it, it is because there's hundreds of factors that go into anything that you do. Oh, yeah. So a level in specific, um, not only do you have to take into account all of the other levels that you're going to be creating, but also the dynamic nature of the tuning and changes that happen to things like uh, movement speed, jump height, even the fact that players can tune those. Um, the other thing is just the weapons and the dynamics of all of these systems work so closely together that if one thing skews or one thing changes, it can change the entire dynamic around how a level plays. Spawn points, for instance, like just the placement of spawn points can change dramatically how a level plays and huh. functions. Um, and making minor alterations to that can, can alter um, a map's flow, like just what areas people use. So when designing maps and kind of looking at that, you have to look at um, a multitude of areas. One, so well, sorry, go ahead. Does Forge then, uh, does it make you cringe a little inside because people can go in there and tweak all that stuff and, and completely change the, the flow that you've, you've laid out? Uh, not necessarily. I mean, I think Forge is actually a great opportunity for people to, to make adjustments to the levels to suit their play needs, as well as just sometimes people will do amazing things that you don't anticipate. Yeah. So more often than not, it's, it's just allowing people to have that opportunity to, to do tweaks and custom uh, game options and, and alter things means that more stuff can happen with the level. So it opens up opportunities. And you know, if, if something's not working out, it's not like people are gonna play it over and over and over. Uh, people tend to move towards the things that, that work better. And that those are the things that become more popular just through word of mouth. If, if you create a variant and it's really fun, then people are gonna play it and talk about it. Yeah. So yeah. Now, when, when, you're, when you're making Halo 4's multiplayer maps, um, I'm sure the, you know, the, the creative process is not an exact science. How many, how many maps do you sketch out or maybe even actually go ahead and build and play test that, that end up uh, on the cutting room floor that you end up not using for, for one reason or another? Um, well, I guess I can't talk about the specific details of like quantities. Sure, um, sure. But just in general, it's kind of like you know early on whether a map can work or not. So um, just in the map design process, um, in general, just on any project, you'll, you'll tend to put together multiple things and just gravitate towards the things that work better. Yeah. Um, and the things that, that people can agree on are like uh, positive. So um, personally, I, I think that as long as you have a solid design foundation, when you begin building a level, you, you can make something work. Um, you don't have to do hundreds of variants and then throw them away. If you know what you want and you know how to make it and you kind of have an understanding of of just general concepts of flow and things not to do, then you can use your judgment to, to build something that works. So you don't even have to throw away anything. Uh, but that being said, it's kind of like, um, you're always gonna build levels that you don't end up using. Yeah. If, if just for the fact that you don't have time to finish as many, because mm -hmm. it's, it's faster to mock up levels um, than it is to build something and polish level and, and, and uh, take it through to final content. because. 
Another thing that people don't get is that lots of people are involved in the process, and any of the factors that happen along the way can change or alter something, and all of that stuff still needs to be play-tested and evolved over time. So even if um, I build a map uh, in mock-up form, uh, that map has to go through concept, and then that map then gets built um, by the, the level artists, and the level artists will add their own embellishments and do their own things, and multiple people might work on it. But then that might introduce elements that need to be refined and tested and redesigned or altered. Um, and then you've got just everything, all the supporting uh, people like that, that do uh, the sound work or particle effects, all the scripting to make sure that the, the uh, spawn points and everything work out. So a ton of people touch a map. Um, and so you also want to be positive that the thing that you've got is great before you get started on handing that off to make sure that going through that entire process, what you end up with is something that, that is worthy of the game. Without necessarily naming names, do you, uh, you know, do you think that, is there a map, you never know I guess till it gets out in the community and people start playing it, but is there a map uh, in the Halo 4 uh, map complement that you think maybe is your lockout or your blood gulch? Um, I ultimately think that's up to players to define because you know, uh, being close to a project, like I have a good idea but it's not something that I want to call out because it's not, it's not my place to say what's good or not. It's really yeah. the players that are going to define what they like and, and what they kind of uh, want to elevate to um, being their favorites. If there's a map that when Halo 4 comes out that, that people just overwhelmingly flock towards and, and favor, is that a success for you, or is that a failure that maybe, you, you know, there, there, was ju there was just one that people love more than all the rest? So I guess I'm kind of curious, where, where, how do you look at that, a situation like that? I'm sure it won't happen, because Halo, there, it's al there's always, and you guys are pros, you've obviously, you've already laid out your resume, you've been doing this for a long time, but, but if, if one emerges just really above all the others, is that, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Um, in general, I think it's always a positive thing for people to enjoy anything. Um, just because there's so many random factors involved in, in anything that can happen uh, on any project, really. Yeah. So, um, succeeding overwhelmingly in one regard um, is a positive just because every map is made with specific purposes. So, if a map becomes incredibly popular or is, is something that um, is overly successful, there's reasons why it was created that way, and so it means that that can happen again, even yeah. if it's in different ways. So it's always great to see uh, where people put their attention or what people enjoy, because that's just another way of refining things in the future. So um, you mentioned you know you were down in Austin before you got recruited to three four three up here in the Seattle area. Um, if I'm remembering correctly, I believe Max Hoberman and his certain affinity crew are down in that area, I think. Yeah. So when you, when you get, you mentioned that you were recruited for 343. When that happens, do you, uh, do you, do you look up Max and say, hey, you know, what, what, do you, what do you think about this? Do you have any advice as I go into, because, you know, Max was the lead multiplayer guy on Halo 2. And he'd been at Bungie for a long time. So do you, do you look up Max Hoberman and, and sort of get, uh, get any advice or, or tips heading into, heading into your new role at, uh, on Halo? Well, I personally didn't do that. Um, 
because I didn't know Max at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, but the great thing is that we work with certain affinity and, yeah. and, and they're a partner that, that we value and, and uh, love working with. So Max has tons of insight as, as does uh, his crew over at certain affinity. And, and um, again, because of that experience, that's just, that's another positive. We can, we can draw on that experience to find out things that might have been tried in the past that didn't work um, that we wouldn't have um, access to otherwise, but also just because in general, uh, having an understanding and a passion for Halo is always a positive things, uh, thing. And those guys, um, you know, they know what they're uh, doing in regards to Halo, so. If there's, uh, I guess to close, if there's one thing that, that you hope Halo 4, that players take away from Halo 4 multiplayer, what, you know, what is it? Do you, do you, do you want people to go, Oh, this is this is Halo. I know this and love this. Or do you want them to go? Wow, this is totally new and different. I love this. Um, <laughs> I know this may sound like a cop out answer, but it's it's really everything. It, yeah. It's all of it. Like if there's one area where people aren't, um, you know, uh, yeah, I don't I don't know exactly how to phrase this, but for the most part, I want them to think not notice anything uh, being specifically better or worse. Because it's kind of like when you do it right, everything works and people enjoy it and they don't know why. They just, yeah. they just enjoy it. And so being able to call out a specific detail or a specific element as being one of the things that's their takeaway, that's almost, um, it's less important than people overall just having a good experience with it and remembering it after they play it. And that's, that's really what's important is that, that people uh, enjoy this game uh, and that they, uh, they leave the experience feeling better for having played it. All right, Kynan Pearson, thanks very much for, for sitting down with me. And uh, for more on all things Halo 4, you know where to be, IGN.com. Thank you very much. Unlocked Lock, and you take on the challenge. Somehow I just got tangled in my head. <laughs> Damn it, <cord>. Dustin. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly he's just choking to death, turning purple. Uh, should we do something? Should we save him? He's what? Destin. He'll figure it out. <laughs> what the hell happened to Destin over there? Yeah, Moriarty found out we were trying to steal the title and came up and just choked him out from behind. So uh, this is the part of the show where we do the unlock block, except uh, none of the questions were any good this week. They were really bad. There was some obscure crap that no one even at Microsoft <laughs> would know. Like, you looked it up on the internet and you, like, made some weird questions. Well, think smarter, question? not harder. It was uh, like, was what percentage what? of Xbox games have sold exclusively Our on the platform today starring Marcus Phoenix? Like, really... <laughs> Just drilled down craziness. So, yeah, you, you know, something that these guys would have an outside chance of knowing. That's the point. But not too easy. So it's, you got to just find the happy middle ground. So I'm throwing down the gauntlets. Try again, people. Send in your trivia question, and you can win a prize, be it a copy of Guitar Hero Van Halen and or something else cool we might have laying around. I'm so. going to also throw down the gauntlet. Ryan. Yeah? You think you're so good at Xbox trivia? Hit us. Got a question? Yeah, give us one. Yeah, off the top of your head. Oh, off the top of my yep. head? All right. Give us some, some of that hard-hitting Xbox um, trivia. Breakdown. Okay. All right. The answer is breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! How did you know? <laughs> Next. How did you know? Mitch, your question? Far Cry? 
uh, what, was what is the greatest game ever made? <laughs> Far Cry. What's the name of uh, Chair Entertainment's first game? Oh shit! I know this because I loved it. Mm-hmm. I love this. I love that too. was a good question. What was their most recent game? Uh, Infinity something Blade. Something for iOS. Yeah, it was Infinity Blade Two. Or Infinity Blade Dungeons. No, that was Grin. Destin. <laughs> so yeah, this game did not uh, get a lot of overall got love. It. But got don't it. even need the multiple choice. Is it Undertow? Damn it! They did something before that. Xbox wow. One fool. Really? I have no idea. What Advent you're... Rising. Oh my god! Oh. I forgot that was them. They did it under a different name, right? Nope. Advent oh, Rising man. was the game where like you could win a million dollars. Yeah, yeah that right. was the big uh, Majesco yeah. was the publisher, and that was their whole like there were these Easter egg things in the game you had to find to to qualify yeah. for the thing and. I Nobody think ever found it. It was going to carry no, over they... into the trilogy that didn't exist. Exactly. I think they did ultimately end up giving away the million dollars. But, um, <laughs> Hence why they had to like, restructure that, that, that game to their actually, marketing team. Yeah. <laughs> that game had a great story. It was awesome. Great story. It was very technically rough around the edges. Sure. Like it was, but, the, but the mechanics were fun, too, because you actually got more and more powerful as the game went on. Yeah. And, and it, the progression was really good, and the story was fantastic. So, uh, yeah, I really liked that I game. I love that game. Anyway, so there, I stumped you. Well done. I stepped to your challenge. Yeah. So I'm Mi- really sad it wasn't Undertale. <laughs> Mitch kind of wins for at least guessing a game that they actually made. <laughs> that they actually As opposed made. to three that they didn't. <laughs> so, uh, if, so, see, that's all it takes. Uh, but I do want multiple choice questions so I can give these guys a little bit more of a fair shot. So please send your Xbox-related trivia question along with four multiple choice answers, mark, uh, noting the correct one in the email, along with your... Uh, name and full mailing address, please, to unlocked at IGN.com. It's and my we favorite will, email address. Yeah, we'll play again. We'll give this another shot next week. We should make it more difficult, like blood type, age, oh, <laughs> last four of your social security, <laughs> okay. full credit card number, expiration date, <laughs> yeah. and CV. Well, it is late in the day. I know you guys want to go home. I want to go home. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've got, oh, I'm, I'm playing the Wii U tonight, of all things. La, la, I'm reviewing Ninja Gaiden 3 Razor's Edge for the Wii U. No spoilers, but I, I liked what I played at uh, me too at Tokyo Game Show. Now, see, you and I... You uh, hated Ninja Gaiden 3, though. I, Ryan and I differ on yeah, that we, game I, significantly. Yeah, you oh, really, okay. really didn't like it. I can't like stand it. Ninja Gaiden 3. I, you just said you liked it on the Wii. There are the new significant one. differences yeah, the, in oh, Ninja right? Gaiden 3 Racer's Edge. Uh, yeah, no, I like Ninja Gaiden 3 uh, not nearly as well as the, the Itagaki games, the previous sure. two. But, um, point being, this is sort of... It's very interesting. You don't often see a game come out later like this where it's better this drastically different yeah it's not even that it's better like it's crazy it's just different, different. we oh, don't wow. know yet if it's better i think it's better so far sure and if i'm playing you know i got a lot more to go but um you know like games get ported to other consoles all the time just in the case of the wii u alone there's batman arkham city coming out with some that weird bat- i played that at e3 not so, very disappointed you know, mass, mass effect yeah. 3 which we talked a lot about yeah. today is coming out for i had that pre-ordered then i remember i work at ign and nobody's <laughs> probably gonna play that so yeah uh it's- but anyway so yeah point being this is this is a a very rare case where the game this game is coming out in a significantly it's the same game but it is a significantly different version of it and so it's uh so even xbox fans that are ninja gaiden fans you know, are probably going to be interested in reading about this, reading this review and seeing, yeah, seeing what the deal is. That's why I took the review on. Is because I'm sure. just, I'm a big Ninja Gaiden fan and I'm curious what the hell the deal is here. So that's what I'm working on. Mitch, you the comment got... section will be relieved that <laughs> I'm not doing it. <laughs> you know what though? It's probably still going to be a, a chaotic mess. 
because oh yeah because wait why is this different guy reviewing yeah. this game and why is it getting such a you know IJ uh, gave this a three earlier now it's a <laughs> higher now score now it's a twelve <laughs> internet anyway um Destin what what of all the things you've you've tortured yourself over video wise <laughs> you know you you suffer for our sins. What uh, what can we go watch and check out on IGN.com that is the fruit of your labor? Well, definitely right now it's Assassin's Creed 3 stuff, the watcher yes. content. I just found, like, put up all the costumes. There's a cool Easter egg where Ben Franklin talks about sex. What? And why you should have sex with older women. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. and uh, Going down yeah. to Cougar Town with, with, with Uncle Ben. ben. Franklin. So that it. one did pretty well view-wise. <laughs> <laughs> and the, uh, the turkey is my favorite. Oh, the turkey assassin Easter egg. Yeah, check find out, out Easter find egg. Out how to get, find out how to get a turkey that is an assassin. Yeah, alternate wow. outfits. And it uh, uses the Konami code. Yeah. Oh, so, so good. Yeah. yeah. Also, so, which also appeared in Wreck-It Ralph, by the way. Correct. Konami code lives on. Yes. So, uh, you know, still some cool Assassin's Creed 3 stuff. I'm done with it Friday. Yes. <laughs> then the DLC hits uh, at nope, some point. No, oh. no, not happening. I'm excited for that DLC. Even though I didn't like the core game, I'm really excited to play that DLC. And um, by the way, so w- this week we also had put together pretty spur of the moment, like 24 hours uh, in advance. Like on Monday with Halo 4 coming out Tuesday, we decided, hey, let's do a – let's play Halo 4 with our readers tomorrow when the game comes out and everybody's playing it. So it came together real quick. Next time, we will do it again. It yes. will seem to go over really well, and we will give you guys more advance notice, so we'll announce it on the podcast. So That was really fun, by the way. I really enjoyed playing with I had, I, had such, I had such a great group to start out. Me too. And then we were playing split screen, and the player two backed out, and it kicked us completely out of the playlist, and I couldn't rejoin the game. Oh. I was like, no. Well, you just got to go to your recent players list. And I couldn't. Just it like, wouldn't let me join. It was locked out. Oh, locked, locked lobby. Huh? Yeah. Well. I was like, that's what, sh- what they thought about you. <laughs> lock that lobby. Destin's gone. Lock him. So anyway, uh, that was fun, and uh, we'll do it again. Be sure to make IGN your homepage and check out the our IGN app on Xbox Live. Yeah. You can watch our live streams. Like just today, in fact, earlier today we had a live stream of Black Ops Two multiplayer where we showed two off hours, of two hours, footage. and we showed off. Nuketown 2025, the new Nuketown map. And a red dot site that the red dot is a mustache. Oh, my God. No way. Mustache. Movember. Mustache dot scope. I have to get this game. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, check out, be, you know, give our, give our app a download. It's free if you have a gold account and pin it to your favorites list. And so you can get to it real easy and without having to dig through the convoluted metro dashboard interface i said before i'm not a big fan but i was looking through the footage of the game holy crap that game looks good yeah. call of duty that's yeah. black ops yeah it's gonna be good yeah that is uh that's like visually hard. i mean well, visually that, you know that's the thing yeah. i know we got to get out of here but yeah. you know black ops 2 mm-hmm. and halo 4 both of those games were developed by very talented teams with essentially unlimited budget pretty much yeah so all of that money you can see all that money on the screen when you turn on those games it's Mm -hmm. it is a significant effect it is not money gone to waste so um yeah black ops 2 is out next week i'm sure we'll be talking about that we'll keep talking about halo 4 in the meantime please follow mitch dyer on twitter at mitchy d destin legary on twitter at destin legary that's d-e-s-t-i-n-l-e-g-a-r-i-e thank you for those of you who aren't sure about his fun, funky Canadian name. And I am DMC underscore Ryan. And, of course, at IGN is your uh, source for all of our hottest headlines as they happen. So I want to thank everybody for listening, as always. 
Most of you get it the show on iTunes for free, or you can just subscribe to the feed there. We're also on the Zoom Marketplace, and we post the show on IGN.com as well. So for Mitch Dyer and Destin Legary, I'm Ryan McCaffrey. Episode 76 in the books. See you guys next week. See you on Halo. See ya. Yes.